This is J. Lewis Mills, and you are about to be put on the level with J. Lewis Mills. Whether it's truth, controversy, good news, or bad. If it offends you, I'm sorry. If you agree, that's great. We talk about it all here because everything needs to be put on the level. Come in and join the conversation. I promise you'll be glad you did. Hello, hello. How are you all doing this week? You got me. It's J. Lewis Mills, and you are now about to be put on the level with J. Lewis Mills. I hope you all had a great week. Um, I, I know that mine was pretty busy and productive, but I am always happy to be here with you, my listeners, friends, and fans. Um, so, yeah, this week... Um, I think we're going to have quite the interesting conversation. Um, I, I did speak to you all and told you um, a few weeks ago, <clears throat> I had mentioned to you how I have people reach out to me through LinkedIn and they, um, you know, send me their profiles and send me information about them and would like to be a guest on, uh, on my show. First off, let me just say it's 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 I mean it's it's one of the most coolest, humbling, grateful things when someone seeks you out and wants to be on your show um, instead of you going to ask someone to be on your show. So it's it, it's a very humbling experience, and I'm I'm very grateful for anyone that that um, sees my show as being important enough to want to share their story or share whatever their situation is on. And my guest this week is Ms. Sherman Eslin Smith. And she is one of those people that reached out to me um, on LinkedIn. I wanted to have her on a few weeks ago, but uh, just schedule conflicts, it wasn't possible. So I'm happy to have her on today. And, you know, if you've heard my show, you know, I don't do a big setup. I let my guests um, tell you who they are because they know them better than I know them. Um, but I do want to say, uh, when I first saw Sherman's profile on LinkedIn, uh, the the first thing that you see under her name, it says, Democratic candidate for president 2020. That's the first thing you see. So when I first saw that, I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, I got to talk to this chick. We got we to gotta see if she's going to be the next Democratic candidate for president in uh, 2020. So without any further ado, I would love to uh, welcome Miss Smith. To the show, Miss Smith. She is coming to us from Ohio, um, so she is she's on the East Coast time, kind of late there now. But thank you for uh, being with me, Miss Smith. How are you doing, now? I'm good. Thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate you. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's just dive. Well, first of all, let's let's start. I would like for you to. Um, Tell my listeners about you and who exactly Charmin Smith is. So my name is Charmin Smith. 
I am the author of the book, Taming the Titta. It is a fictional story about politics, religion, and a reality TV show giving Republicans a candidate capable of beating Hillary Clinton in 2016. I self-published my book in January of 2015, six months before Trump announced his campaign. And I wrote the book with the belief that it would be huge, it would create a huge movement, and it would be the platform that I would use to launch my own political campaign. And it would give me an opportunity to run in 2016. I watched in horror as much of what I wrote played out in reality, just not the way I wrote it. Um, everybody has an opinion on Trump. I am no different. It just for me, I had to watch it from the perspective of watching my dream turn into a nightmare. Uh, the book was a, my fictional life story where I won a reality TV show, and it, it launched my political career. And it has always been a dream of mine to run for office. It just, uh, my life took a different path, and I didn't think that the opportunity was really ever going to present itself. As I have continued to watch Trump and the chaos that he has created throughout our country, my dream to run for president has never died. I launched a write-in campaign in 2016. Most people aren't aware that over 2,500 people filled out the paperwork to run for president in 2016. It seems like there was just a, a few names that broke through the noise. And I continue to think that I have the ability to unite the nation and the world around a few common causes that get us to the point where we're ready to resolve the rest of the issues that plague our nation. And I, rather than waiting until the last minute, I am interested in starting early and getting my name out there because I know that's important for me to actually be able to get the DNC's notice and have an opportunity to debate Trump because that's really what my goal is. So, so that's a real thing. You're 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 seriously going to um, try to run for president in 2020. Yes, this is a real okay. thing. Not and, a game. It's not a joke. Uh, okay. I wrote the book. It has. If you if you're interested in getting to know me and my opinions, the, reading the book is a great way to do it. I okay. have a website, SharmanSmith.com. I have formed my committee, filed my paperwork with the FEC, and I am a regular person who truly cares and is no longer interested in standing by and just watching um, people destroy our country. So as, as, as far as, as far as uh, campaigning is concerned and as, as far as, you know, going out to get your name out there, um, what are you doing or what, what are your plans for that? And uh, as most people know, you know, it, it costs a lot of money to run a serious presidential campaign. So, it does cost a lot of money. And as a proud member of the 99%, I can't possibly dream of funding this on my own. I have a, a website set up with an opportunity for people to donate to the campaign if they agree with what I say and they like me. I certainly mm -hmm. hope that those donations will come in. That money is necessary in order to uh, do advertising, in order to travel, to in order to be able to be at campaign rallies nationwide. There is, it's going to be very expensive and I can't possibly dream of funding it out of my own pocket. Have you, have you set this? 
have you set this website up yet and have you received any donations as of yet? I have set the website up. I pushed it live on Wednesday. I, I had a, a very interesting experience Monday night and made the decision to push it live Wednesday, even though I didn't feel like it was ready. And I am in the process of doing everything I can to get my name out there and get my platform out there so that people will want to start donating to me. Why would people see this as, or why would people want to vote for you? Why, why would you be a better president than anyone else running for the Democratic ticket, which clearly we don't even know who all is, is, is going to be running. But what is it about you that you feel people are going to take this seriously and they're not going to say, oh, this is just some some um, publicity stunt? I The normal rules no longer apply, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a few years ago, a regular person can never even dream of doing this. There mm -hmm. wasn't there wasn't a platform for us. And the way it looks right now in our country, they the American people don't trust poised and perfect politicians. And we have put the best politicians on the planet up against Trump, and he's just slaughtered them with his foolishness. And one of the things that is starting to come out and people are starting to acknowledge and be mindful of um, especially because Oprah hit the nail on the head when she said she just didn't have the DNA to be president. There's a genetic connection to the presidency. All the presidents are connected to one king 800 years ago. And we all know the story, whether we realize we know the story or not. We all know the story of Camelot, King Richard and the Knight and King Richard the Lionheart and Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. but, we, yeah. but we don't we don't realize how that connects to us today. We think it's just a good story. But all of our presidents are related to King John. So what we don't realize is that Richard was gay and had no interest in producing an heir. So he chose his nephew, Arthur, to be his heir. While he went off to go fight the Crusades, his brother John was left to take care of the, the kingdom. And John was the one who was taxing people to death. John was the one who was torturing the citizens. And John decided he wanted to be king. So he killed Arthur and Richard. The world would be a different place if Arthur had been king. All of the presidents are related to John. And John is widely credited with signing the Magna Carta. He did not sign it out of his uh, he didn't volunteer to sign it. He was forced to sign it. And when that happened, he gave back the feudal barons who forced his hand into signing the Magna Carta. He gave them back some of their tax money. And it was up to those barons to distribute that tax money to the people within the kingdom. That This is where trickle-down economics began. We have been fighting this same battle with these greedy people for a thousand years now and it is going to take someone from the same bloodline to step up and to fight them on their own level and thanks to ancestry.com i've clicked a thousand years worth of leaves and figured out how i'm connected to this family and it, it is something that has been on my mind and in my heart for as long as i can remember and as a christian if i believe that 
if God brings it to you, God will bring you through it. And there's a reason why it's on my heart. Maybe this is something I'm supposed to do. Maybe the reason why Trump can't, he continues to defeat all these perfect politicians is because it's going to take a regular person, somebody who has been in the trenches and survived and knows what this country is really, what it means to truly be an American, what it truly be, means to be part of this country, to step up and fight him. And, and I, I think that might be me. So when it comes to when I think of the the office of president of the United States, um, that honestly, even even with our current administration that's in place right now, I honestly do feel like that is the most important job or one of the most important jobs. I'm not going to say it's the most important job. Because the president doesn't really have the uh, true 100% power. So he has to still go through Congress to get things pushed. And he still has people that can say no to him. So I'm, I'm not going to say it's the most important job. Um, I believe one of the problems with our current president is um, whether it's his fault or not, he's he's traveling in waters that he has never been in before. Um, you know, Donald Trump, sure. He's a, a, a great businessman, if you want to say he's a great businessman. Um, politician, no. Uh, I, I do believe that, my own personal opinion, I, I do believe that politics should be left to the politicians and what I mean by that and the reason I say that is you know when it comes to to subjects or, or topics of um, foreign policy or when it comes when it comes to issues I'll just say it like this because there's too many to name individually when it comes to situations that aren't necessarily moral issues when it comes to actual it's time to be president issues um, with you being a regular citizen I, I, I guess I have to ask the question again what reason would people have what is it about you that can make you stand out from any and every other, um, you know, you, you spoke of these perfect politicians that Donald Trump defeated. What sets you aside from them for you to be able to come in as someone that no one knows and defeat basically a powerhouse, whether you want to say it or not, a powerhouse like Donald Trump? Um, you know, and that's that's an excellent question, and it's a great point. There, as a regular person, I'm going to have to step into a different role, and as a, it, it's a scary thing to think about because you're looking at the the type of person Donald Trump is. He just he just humiliates everybody that comes around him, and it is going to take somebody who's willing to humiliate him back. And that, and a lot of those things aren't necessarily presidential, but it is what is going to be necessary to 
break through the noise to let him know that you're really here and you're ready to fight him. There's plenty of things that are about being a politician, about politics, that are about government, that are new to that are going to be new to me, that are new to Donald Trump. Um, the difference, I think, between me and him is I'm willing to listen to advisors and take advice. I have a, a, a long history, my own personal self, as being a, a leader within the corporations that I worked for. I learned as a young manager that I had to lean on the strength of my people and listen to the advice of my uh, of professionals that were around me. Donald Trump makes a lot of decisions just based off of his own personal business experience. And he he got elected because Americans wanted a businessman to come run America as a business. But they wanted someone to run it as a business for Americans. And he's running it as a business for himself to improve his own personal bottom line. And that that is a problem. That is not what people want. And people want someone who's willing to step up and fight for them. No one is going to be perfectly prepared to run for this office and to fulfill this seat. The person who was the most prepared for this didn't get elected for whatever reasons that is. It, it's a reality that we're looking at. The people who vote in this country are gonna have to make a choice and they're looking for somebody who's different. They're looking for somebody who's outside the fray. They're looking for a regular person to step up and to prove that America is a government of the people, by the people, for the people, but that's because the people have to participate. Yes, I like that. The people the people have to participate. And now, you, you, you know, Sharman, uh, as well, um, and I, I do know you know this, so I just would like for you to address this with me now. Um, you know, when when you're when you're running for president, there is no stone that is going to be unturned. There are things that are that could potentially come out about your past and your personal your personal past life that. You know, the um, let's let's just say for this conversation, you make it past the other Democratic candidates and you do win the Demo well, no, I would have to take it back even further. Once your name is put into the hat or let's say. You end up on MSNBC, you end up on CNN, you heck, you even end up on Fox News, HLN, somewhere you end up and it's, it's okay. Now, boom, it's, it's real now. Everybody knows Charmin Smith. Your name is out there. You want to run for president. That's when everybody is going to start digging into your past. Are you prepared for that? And I'll point them straight to my book, Taming the Tether. One of the reasons I wrote the book, and I wrote it with the reality that I wouldn't be able to hide from anything. I put mm -hmm. a bunch of personal things in there because I, 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 you can't hide from this. There's no way you can avoid the controversy. Everybody has skeletons in their closet. Everybody has done things that they're not proud of. And one of the things that has been great about Donald Trump is it doesn't really matter if you're not perfect. America actually likes your imperfections. 
And, you know, truthfully, I am one of those people that's incredibly grateful that Apple didn't figure out video phones 10 years sooner because there's absolutely no way I could even consider running for office if that were the case. And mm -hmm. I feel bad for millennials these days because their phones are on all the time and everything they do is captured and caught. And, and the, the good thing about being my age is that there was an opportunity to escape some of some of the the things that I'm less than proud of, but I'm yeah. honestly looking forward to what they figure out and what they find because some of those years melted together on me. Um, all of us have skeletons in our closet. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is looking for perfection anymore. The, the reality is, is what did you learn from your mistakes and what did you take away from it? Because we, I, we all make mistakes. It's what we learn from them that's most important. Are you are you prepared for and you very well said are are you are you prepared for um, are you prepared for other people to tell your story differently than you tell your story meaning are you prepared for the opposition to put a different spin on something that may be in your book like it may be a situation that was a bad situation and you explain it or you justify it. Are you prepared for somebody to put a different spin on that as well? Are you prepared for people to not believe you, but to believe the spin? Right, because it's easier to believe the lie than it is to believe the truth. And that's part, that's part of politics. That's part of life. And all of us have those situations where people are going to believe the worst case scenario about you every chance they get. And the only thing you can do is just continue to be yourself and tell the truth. And I believe the truth will come out. And I believe as long as I represent myself in a truthful, authentic way, people will see me for who and what I am. Do you I have, have no a campaign in, manager right now? Not right now, no. No. Do you have do you have anyone working with you on this right now? I have some friends who are helping with this. Yes. Okay. What do your friends and family members think? What do they say? They're nervous. I think everybody's nervous because this is a dangerous time. There have been a lot of things that have taken place over this process through the book, through the years. Um, mm -hmm. And this is dangerous. We understand that this is dangerous and there's no real way to protect ourselves from it. We're living in a world now where the, the Russians are involved. We're living in a world now where even in 2016, there were fears that I was putting myself and my family in danger because people were so afraid of the Clintons. But we're not, not talking about the Clintons anymore. We're now talking about Russians. And the reality is, is that if we don't step up and fight back in a different way, we may not have an opportunity to in a few years. And I think a lot of us really feel that. I, I know that my personal story, my, my personal family, my ancestry, we've been persecuted. We've been, I have, family members that have died through the years fighting for the things that they believe in. And I know that I am putting myself in danger. It's certainly a fear that I have for my children, for myself. 
I'm more worried about what happens when I do die and I get to the other side and I meet my maker and I'm asked what I did while I was here to try to fix the problems that I saw so clearly here. I'm more worried about not having a good answer on that side than I am anything that happens here. Okay. When, when you... Hmm... So, it's a hard position to be in, right? When you're, when I don't you're, want to. Um, I, I don't necessarily want to to change the focus uh, of the uh, of the conversation, but I have to make a comment to what you just said. You said you didn't want to be asked that question, and I, my thing is, I don't even think that's a question that you would be asked. That answer would already be known, um, right? But I do understand what I, I do understand what you're saying. Um, but I, I don't really want to go into that because I don't want to. I don't want to shift away from what 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 we're talking about now. Um, did you have a conversation? Speaking of your friends and family members, did you have a conversation with them to let them know or get their thought patterns or their feedback on, you know, when I go public? You know, they're going to come for you, too. They're going to dig into your background, too. And people may, if, if you have a family member or if you have a friend that, as you said, of course, we all have skeletons in our closet. It's just we have also turned into quite the judgmental people as long as we know nobody knows what our situations are. We have turned into a people that can be very judgmental when somebody else's business is put in the street, even if the person being judgmental has something like that in their past. Just the fact that nobody knows that, that's where their power comes from. So um, it's not just you that is going to get looked at. It's not just you that is going to, to get investigated. So have you had any friends or family members that have tried to talk you out of this because they, you know, you know, everybody is going to be put, is going to be raked over the coals. Just look at any, any presidential election that has happened in this country. When, when mud starts getting slung, then, you know, family members are fair game. Friends are fair game. And the reason family members and friends are fair game because the thought pattern is their what the thought pattern is tried to be is this person has this bad person in their life as a family member or this bad person in their life as a friend. Do we really want somebody being the president of the United States that associates with people like that? So. Have you had anybody? I'm sure everybody can come up and, and give you all of the, the 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 great compliments and go get them and you're going to do it and all of that. But has anybody tapped you on the shoulder and like, hey, hold up, I need to have a conversation with you? And told me something that they were afraid of being being brought out into public? No, I have not had a conversation like that where someone has come to me and told me, look, I, I've done something and I'm afraid it's going to cause you any problems. No, I, mm -hmm. I have not. Uh, okay. I, I, I have a very small circle of friends. Uh, mm -hmm. Life has 
we moved seven times in seven years. We have lived all over the country and put our kids in schools from Rhode Island to Hawaii. Um, We have a very tight, close, small circle of friends. And the people that have know what I'm doing have been very supportive of me and think it's a good idea. I've had a lot of people who've encouraged me to do this and to move forward with this. They know that this has been a dream of mine for a long time, even though they know it's unattainable and it's impossible to actually do without being, without completely disrupting our life. Um, Yeah. It's, because we, I do have a, a good, quiet, peaceful life. There's a lot to be said for anonymity. There's a mm-hmm. lot to be said for enjoying the peace and, and the, the good life that we have. But there's a mm-hmm. lot to be said for knowing that you have a good life, that you've overcome a lot of adversity, and sharing what you've learned along the way to try to help other people as well. Do you think... Do you think the road to the White House is going to be even that much more difficult for you because we have never had a female president? I mean, do you really understand how earth-shattering and world-changing it will be if a regular U.S. female citizen comes along in 2020 and wins the presidency of the United States. Do you think that it would... I'm sorry, go ahead. It it will be huge. It will be earth-shattering. But I do think, in light of Trump's behavior over the last couple of years, it needs to be a woman that beats him. Why do you say that? He has ignited something across this country. He has the the wave of women running for office these days because of they're tired of being treated the way that he thinks acceptable to treat them. They mm-hmm. no longer are interested in his locker room talk or his inappropriate touching or any of the other behaviors that he has done. I think that it needs to be a woman that beats him at this point. Why do you think Donald Trump has as many female supporters as he does? That is a really good question. And to be honest with you, I'm just as surprised how, why he has as many male supporters as he does. There is something about him that appeals to a very specific type of personality. And there is as many people who are repelled by his behavior as there are people who admire him. And he is allowed to get away with the craziest things because people are living vicariously through him. They enjoy his outlandish behavior. They they support the things that he says. They're, he's speaking to them directly. And it's important for us to find a way to speak to the rest of the people. Over half the population didn't, over half the voting population didn't show up to vote. They aren't they aren't motivated or turned on enough by any of the politicians running for office to actually show up to the polls to vote. And my desire is is to find a way to ignite those people. Those people are turned off by Trump's behavior. They're repelled by the things that he says and that he does. And as more, as more of what he is comes out 
I, I think that there's going to be more opportunities for someone like me, and preferably me, to make headway and to uh, unite the people behind something that will get them involved. Okay. I would like I to it's ask a, you, I was, I'm sorry, what were you saying? I, I know it's a tough road, and I know it's going to be really difficult to try to get people motivated and interested who haven't been coming to haven't been coming to vote, haven't been paying attention to politics. It's going mm -hmm. to take a different voice to get through to those people, and I think I can do it. And you know, I've been I have preached, uh, not preached, I'm not a preacher, but I have said more than once on several occasions don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do what you think you can do so please understand no question that i am asking you is coming from a place of me saying you know i really hope i can talk her out of doing this i have no intention on doing that i am just asking you questions that either i want to know or questions i believe people that I know would want to know the answer to and whatever your answer is is your answer uh, when you Thank have you. a conversation with me there is no such thing as a wrong answer whatever okay. your answer is hey that's your answer you know um, I, I think that's one of the beautiful things that makes us individuals we're not mm -hmm. always going to agree on everything um, and I, I am one of those people that I don't have to agree with something to understand it. So, right. you know, I may not agree, but I, I absolutely 100% understand. So please don't think that I am one of those people that feels like this isn't something you should do. I think this is something you absolutely should do. But, um, if, if, if I were to say anything were, and I know that this is an oxymoron, but I, I do believe this is a bit of a calculated risk. Um, it is. It is. Uh, and I, and I know that this is the kind of thing that can blow up spectacularly. You know, it, it can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. And at the end of the day, I would regret not trying, especially just sitting back and watching the chaos that continues to happen every day. There, the the stories and the, the, the way that he is deliberately dividing people across the country, the people that he supports, the, the hostility that he's creating towards the press, what he has done with the children at the border, agreeing to arm our teachers. He is deliberately dividing us across every platform that he can to get us to the point where, where we're just fighting with each other. We People don't have a basic conversation with each other anymore. And it is time for us to find a way to come back together and to talk to people and to have a conversation and understand someone else's perspective. Even if you don't agree with it, we can do it politely. We can do it respectfully. We can do it in a way that brings us together and we have to find a way to stop fighting with each other and, and bickering with each other over things that are that we should be coming together on. And there has to be another voice that's coming out that is finding a way to unite us. And I, I, I agree. Um, there, there is another voice that needs to, to uh, you know, be heard. The problem I'm having 
is some of the most notable voices in our current history have spoken, and they're not being listened to. So when I have to notice that as a real thing, again, it, it just kind of uh, makes me question a few things, really. Um, let me... Let me play devil's advocate with you. Let me ask you a question that I believe the other side would ask. Um, it, 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 it's a question clearly that I probably should not ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What do you think the perception of the United States of America would be? Whether it's you or whether it's somebody else, so I guess I'll open it up a little bit, but what do you think the perception of the United States of America would be if we go and hire, uh, or excuse me, we go and elect a president with less political experience than the one that's currently in office right now. Yeah, there is going to be some backlash and there's going to be, we have developed a trust issue across the world because the person that we have in office is insulting our allies and is aligning themselves with the most terrifying people on our planet. At this point in time, I think as long as whoever we elect knows who their friends are and decides to treat people with common decency and respect, I think it's going to improve our standing compared to where we're sitting today. When you're Whether at that it's level, me or someone else. When when you are at that level, um, and I mean this is an honest question. When you're at that level, do you really know who your friends are, though? Well, we should know who our allies are. We should know who Germany should be our allies. England should be our allies. We shouldn't be praising Kim Jong-un. There's a lot of things that our president should know, the basics of who our friends and allies are. And at this point in time, we don't see that taking place. There's there. It's it's. It's funny that we have a president who has told everybody how great he is and how wonderful he is, but he has no idea how to make friends or how to get people to trust him. And the people that he's seeking out their approval are some of the most vile in history. If you can't figure out who your friends are based off who's on the table for your options, that's a problem. And I certainly think that what we have right now is somebody who is aligning themselves with the most dangerous people on the planet. And we have to have a president who does understand who our friends are and who our enemies are. Yes, I agree. When do you intend to announce your run for presidency and what platform do you plan on using to make that announcement? I have been, there was a press release done this week when my webpage went live. Uh, there's, mm -hmm. I, I'm building my platform. I'm seeking people to help me. There's no way I can do this on my own. 
Um, mm -hmm. I'm t taking interviews everywhere that I can at every opportunity that I can. I'm taking whatever options I have to get my voice out there, to get my name out there. Um, you know, this is this is a grassroots effort. This is a, a, a regular American citizen who's trying to make a difference, who's trying to step up to the plate and try to fill, fulfill a role that I see that's empty and that's missing. Uh, a lot of the things that I support and I believe in are going to be controversial. Um, it, and I don't see other politicians talking about it. You know, one of the things that I support is the death penalty for pedophiles. Now, while we have politicians who are calling for the death penalty for women who get abortions and the doctors who provide them for drug addicts and drug dealers, and they're trying to normalize pedophilia, now is the time for somebody to step up and say, no, this is unacceptable. We need to get harsher on our predators and we need to be punishing our predators. There has been a lot of talk through the years. There's, there was a horrible lie told. A number of years ago, it was a form of victim blaming and victim shaming that if you had been sexually abused as a child, you would grow up to become a predator. And that has caused victims of childhood sexual abuse to suffer in silence for their whole life rather than be accused of the thing that they despise the most. And now while we have this, this strange movement where pedophiles are trying to normalize their abuse, now is the time for us to come together and agree that this is the most vile thing in history and we have to punish these people. This has to stop. But it is not something you just do unilaterally. When you talk about this, you have to talk about the problems that exist within the justice system. We have horrible issues right now that have to be addressed. We need to audit our prison systems. We have people in there who don't belong there. I don't support mandatory sentencing, but I do think that it should be something that is, a, is an option. Pedophiles are notoriously given lenient sentences. When we had the, the big debate that came out a few years ago in regards to transgenders in bathrooms, at the, at the base of that conversation was the reality that we're not punishing pedophiles and people are afraid and they're misplacing that fear. Rather than addressing the problem, they're, they're scapegoating somebody else. And it, I don't think we have a problem with transgender people. I think the problem is pedophiles. We have to do something about these predators. They, we, we have to do something to rebuild the trust in our country. It's almost like we're suffering from a massive form of PTSD collectively from multiple issues. Every time there's another shooting, we, we all suffer from these things and we have to find a way to establish boundaries and speak up about the things that are destroying us and we have to address them and resolve them. I absolutely agree. Once again, I, I do. Can, um, I can talk on a large range of topics, not just because I, I care, but, but not just because I have personal experiences with a lot of these issues, but because I pay attention and I research and I read and I learn and I ask good fact-finding questions and I'm willing to suggest solutions. And it's 
it it's something that I don't see happening a lot with the politicians. I, I look at every politician's webpage, and I often see they just have a small little two or three sentences, maybe two paragraphs on an issue, and you don't really know what it is that they think or how they feel or how they're actually going to solve the problem. We we, we have a, somebody here, uh, somebody down in Jacksonville who is running for um, the U.S. House of Representatives seats, and he thinks that he's going to go to D.C. and make D.C. Fair. I don't think that's possible. I don't know how you make anything fair. But until we start talking about all of the issues and addressing them, we're not even going to be able to resolve them. And fairness would be wonderful. Equality would be wonderful. We need to get to that point. But we need politicians who are brave enough to have tough conversations. And and you think that you think that currently we have politicians that aren't brave enough to have these conversations or just don't choose not to have these conversations? I, I think we have some very brave politicians, and I think that we're very fortunate to have them. But what I see, especially right now with Republicans, I see people who are scared to step up and to speak out against the president. They're scared for their seat. They're scared to to tell you what they think and how they're going to resolve an issue. And I I, I get it. It's The world is complicated, and it's very unforgiving. But we have to have these conversations. We have to find solutions to them. There are a lot of these topics that are coming up have been pushed aside for so long that they're to a boiling point where it's taking over our country and we have to address them one way or another. Have you have 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 you thought, Charmin, about um what you would do in a a debate platform like if if you got to the point where it was you know when it was time to pick the 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 uh democratic nominee during those debates do you feel like you are now, I mean, it's only 2018, you still got some time, but do you feel like you're, you're, do you feel like you're prepared for that? And if you're not prepared, what do you do in order to make this more of a reality? I mean, I, I, I totally understand your website. I totally understand um you asking for the donations but at at this point in July 2018 other than your website um what are you doing to further this cause I am reaching out to um candidates in my area to my local democratic party I know that this is 
I'm going to need a lot of preparation. I know that there's a lot of a lot more work that I have to do from where I'm at right now to get to where I want to be. And I know I can't do it alone. And I am making connections in order to make that happen. I, it is my goal to get there. I know I'm going to have to do a lot of work to get there. I wouldn't do this if I didn't think I was capable of it. I wouldn't Absolutely. do this if I didn't think it was a possibility, I know what I'm capable of. I know what I've been through. I know that, you know, everybody has to be good at something. And the one thing I consistently seem to be good at is um, surprising the people who are foolish enough to underestimate me. So I look forward to, I look forward to the challenge. I, I know that there are things that I have to learn. I know that there's preparation that I have to make. I know I have mm-hmm. to master the soundbite. I know that mm-hmm. there's things that I have to do, and I'm looking forward to the evolution that takes place during that process. Absolutely great. I like that. I like that a lot. When you reached out to the the, the local Democratic Party there, what what was the energy from from them? What was what was that? What have those conversations been like, and what type of uh, connections have you been able to make? Well, I don't want to talk too much about some of the connections that I've made. I'll be doing some canvassing tomorrow um, with another candidate, and I there's there's a lot of concern. People are nervous. You know, mm-hmm. I am not a known entity. They're not sure what mm-hmm. to expect either. So it's still a learning game where we're taking the opportunity to get to know each other. Okay. Would you ever, if you don't... I've gotten some very positive responses. I've gotten some some negative responses. I know that that's part of the game. After 2020 is over, would you consider then possibly running for some type of local office there in, in your local area? Absolutely. It's certainly a possibility. One of the issues that I have run into with running for a local office is that we've moved so many times. I don't meet the residency requirements in order to run for a local office. And so as this moves forward, that's something that I will absolutely pursue. Okay. Um, Let's say this doesn't work out. What's what's next? Well, I when I wrote my book, I wrote it with the belief that it would be a trilogy. After Trump announced his campaign and the way things worked out, a lot of things that I wrote played out in real life just a little differently. I wasn't sure how to finish writing the last two books. And I will thankfully have figured out this summer how to finish writing the last two books, and I'll pursue that as well. I'm in the process right now of working with a... Um, a screenwriter and a producer to turn my book into a script. Hopefully that will catch fire and, and move into a, a movie soon. Um, there's oh, wow. plenty of opportunities for me. I am smart. I am capable. I, I mean, I can always go back to mortgages, but I don't really mm-hmm. want to do that. My desire is to do something that changes and has a positive impact on the people around me. I'd love to start a nonprofit and bring resilient resiliency training to um, survivors of childhood sexual abuse throughout the nation. There, I there's a lot of the, the good thing about being an American in America is the the sky is unlimited. So you have mentioned pedophilia a couple of times. 
And you have mentioned abuse and child abuse a few times. And I can absolutely hear the passion. I can hear the passion, I can hear the anger, and I can hear the hurt in your voice when you are talking about those particular subjects. Why do those, why do those subjects hit so close to home for you? I'm an adult survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And when I received my PTSD diagnosis in 2008, I thought that was the end of my political aspirations. I didn't think that anybody would ever vote for someone like me. Um, there, this, this lie exists and it is, it is prevalent throughout our society that if you were abused as a kid, you're going to grow up to become an abuser. And that's simply not the truth. And we have enough credit card debt in this country. We should understand compounding math. Pedophilia has been around for thousands of years. Roman soldiers were notorious pedophiles. If being abused as a child was a death sentence to become an abuser, by now everybody would be pedophiles. You look at the Larry Nasser case with over 200 survivors of the sexual abuse that he perpetrated on them as children. You, you see over 100 of them standing on the stage at the ESPYs. And I, I ask you honestly, how many of those women do you think are going to grow up to become predators? I don't think any of them will. And I think every single one of them will spend the rest of their life proving that that is a lie. Just because you were abused as a child does not mean you're going to grow up to become an abuser. The, the, the reality is, is that one in four girls is sexually abused before she turns 18, one in six boys. We don't know what the actual number is because it's the most underreported crime in our history. And because of that, there's no way to fully understand how many people are out there suffering in silence. We, the, the survivors of childhood sexual abuse, truly are the silent majority in our country. And we are seeing it now with the Me Too movement. People are getting braver. They're getting bolder. Celebrities are coming forward and sharing their pain. You know, a lot of people have experienced this in their lifetime. And one of the things that has been so prevalent for me is that people have a fear that there's something wrong with me and I will do something wrong. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I would not ever do anything to hurt another child. And every victim that I have met has felt the same way, but they don't talk about it because they are afraid of being accused of the thing they despise the most. And now when we have this this group of pedophiles who is trying to normalize their behavior, they're, they're trying to infiltrate the LGBTQ community, which is despicable to me because what mature, grown adults choose to do with their personal life is amongst mature adults. It should not matter. But when anybody tries to suggest that it is okay to abuse a child, we absolutely all have to stand up and say no. We have to do something to punish these people so that they know that their 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 behavior is despicable. And none of us want to live in a world where anybody thinks it is acceptable. It is it it remains one of the most vile crimes throughout the world. And I believe that if we shine a light on it, we have the opportunity to end it in our lifetime. And kids deserve it. I, 
all of us deserve better than this. We have a we have a sex trafficking issue across the world, and we have an opportunity to end it. But that means we're going to have to get tough, and we're going to have to punish these predators. And I don't hear politicians talking about it. You know, I um, I, I had a strange situation Monday night where uh, something happened with my IP address. My IP address was compromised, and I wasn't ready to put my website public yet and I went ahead and pushed it live on Wednesday anyways and then Thursday morning the Pope comes out that he's against pedophilia he's against the death penalty um, and I, I understand that um, the Catholic Church has a long-standing history of protecting their pedophile priests and the timing is ironic to me and it is it is time for us as a society who truly despises this behavior to do something to end it once and for all. I agree. I and do have another devil's advocate question for you, though, because um, I, I just have to be honest with you. And I did read this. I believe I read this um, either in the bio you sent me or I read it on your LinkedIn where it did say that you you were for the death penalty for pedophiles. That's Correct. that's true, right? That's true. Okay. I, so I don't support I, mandatory sentencing. I just think it should I think victims should have a say in sentencing, but I think it should be an option. Um I am absolutely against the death penalty on on any in all levels um now this is as i was talking about earlier it's it's great that one of these situations came up during our conversation this is one of those i don't agree but i understand situations um because of uh the unfortunate events that happened with you Absolutely. That's a thought pattern that you are going to have. Um, I was molested by someone at my grandfather's church when I was a kid. And you're right. You, you don't go out and be just because it's happened to you, you won't you don't go out and 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 do it. I did not go out and do anything like that for two reasons. Number one, I never had any type of a feeling. I never had any type of a want, a desire, or anything to ever do anything like that. That was just never a part of my DNA. Um, but as well, it's it's just so far against what what I know as a human being as far as violating somebody you know no means no and and, and that's just it um, right so I I went through it I did not go through it to the level I got the understanding that you went through it from reading what you sent me but I still went through it at the same time um, now, this is where my controversial thinking comes in, and I've had people tell me how 100% wrong that I am. Okay, you can think I'm wrong. I, I get that. But if there is a pedophile 
and he does something against the child, and he is put on death row. Um, you know, it's it to me, it's 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 one of those areas to where, you know, what about his family? Or I mean, I I'm going to say her family too. You don't really hear a lot about female pedophiles, but there are some out there. So I will say his family or her family, you know, and so that's where my thoughts go. Sure, that individual did something very heinous. That individual did something that there is never going to be any justification. There is never going to be any explanation for but at the same time, to take someone's life, I just can't. It's too hard for me to say, yeah. Now, if I had, if I had children, and it's okay, it might be easy for me to say this now because I don't have children. But if I have children and somebody kills, rapes, and molests, one of my children. I do not think that I would be a bad parent if I said I want that person to live the rest of their life in prison without the possibility of parole. I don't think I would be a bad parent if I said I don't agree with the death penalty, so if you're going to put these news cameras in my face, and ask me if I want this person to be killed, and I say no, I don't want a bunch of social media stuff coming out about how I'm such a bad parent because I don't think somebody should be killed. Right. And and I, I agree, and that's one of the reasons why I think victims, families, and victims need to be part of sentencing. I, and I don't agree with mandatory sentencing. And everybody has a different opinion on this. I know the death penalty is very controversial, no matter what the situation is. I And I understand 100%. I don't think it's appropriate to call somebody a bad person just because their opinion is different. I, I don't want to be called a bad person just because I think that the death penalty should be an option for somebody who sexually abuses children. I mm-hmm. think that at this point in time, it needs to be a conversation that we have. And I know it's controversial. I don't think it makes you a bad person because you don't want somebody to receive the death penalty. But I also don't think it makes me a bad person because I do want somebody to receive the death penalty. It's one of those conversations that needs to be had. And it's okay if we have different pers- perspectives on it. Yes, yes. I mean, absolutely. you're absolutely right. And when I do have the conversation um, with people, and I try to do just that, I try to have conversations, I don't argue, but whenever somebody says, and this has happened more than once, I will have someone say, okay, if you want to have this conversation, we can have the conversation. Go right ahead. And I would say, okay, here's my first question. What purpose does it serve? This person did something that they weren't supposed to do. They're put on death row. They're killed. What purpose does that serve? Is it going to bring back, if they killed somebody, is it going to bring that person back? No, it's not. If they broke into a house and stole a bunch of stuff, 
Is it going to bring the stuff back if the police didn't find it? No, it's not. What purpose does it serve other than somebody being able to say that person is no longer walking around on this earth anymore? And they don't have the opportunity to reoffend. Sexual predators have the have an average of creating up to up to and over 200 victims apiece. So you have somebody who's a sexual predator and it is a habitual offense. They will do it over and over again. And because the Mm -hmm. nature of the crime and the nature of the criminal, children often don't say anything. They, They suffer in silence. And that person is able to go on and offend dozens and dozens more children. We notoriously give these people light sentences and then they get out and they do it all over again, creating more and more victims. And the reality is, is that if they're given the death penalty, they are not allowed or able to reoffend. And that is the re- for me, it is about finding a way to protect the children. You know, we, we live in a constantly changing world. And, and part of my concern And part of the reason why I want to do this is has to do with climate change. My perspective on climate change is a little different. I don't think we fully understand continental drift and the way the land masses float across our planet. And I believe that we're we're about to experience the next massive land shifts. We see it with volcanoes. We see it with mudslides. We see it with earthquakes. I I believe our planet is getting ready to undergo a, a metamorphosis again. Another big change is coming. And one of the things that I fear more than anything is the moment that we are really in that chaos and we have a bunch of heavily armed pedophiles and rapists running loose across the planet with the ability to do whatever they want to do. And I, I, I don't want to live in a world like that. That is the type of thing that gives me nightmares. And I think that we have an opportunity now to do something about the predators that are, are running rampant and get that problem under control before it's too late. And, you know, to a degree, um, Sharman, I absolutely agree agree with you. I do have to say I, I don't I don't see um, I don't see the same world that you see, but there again, that's why we're we are all individuals. Um, and you are absolutely right. If if someone is going to molest a child, you know, they're going to do it more often than not, they're going to do it again. Um, if you isolate someone away from children, then they won't, they wouldn't do that. Uh, they wouldn't have the ability to do that. Um, but I don't think that necessarily, I mean, the only way to isolate a pedophile from children, I don't necessarily believe the only way to do that is to, to, um, kill them um, I think if, if, you say that if, if you say that there are light sentences for pedophiles then I believe the conversation should begin with more stringent more strong stronger uh, prison sentences uh, keeping keeping them uh, you know away longer if, if that's even a thing. I don't really even think there should even be a number on how many years. If you are a pedophile 
and you have sexually abused or sexually assaulted um, a child, there is no 10, 15, 20 years. That, that to me, is a life sentence type thing. And that is how you are going to ensure this person is never going to be around children again. Uh, right. And, we, so, and that, that would be a great solution. And I think that that's a possibility. But right now, what we see historically and consistently from state to state across the country is these, these pedophiles are given probation. They're given a slap on the wrist and they're allowed to go back out into society and they're allowed to destroy lives without our, our system isn't even set up to be able to track them and monitor them. It, it is a, it is a ticking time bomb and something has to be done to stop it. Now, if we can get to the point where we can give them all life sentences or and keep them in prison for the rest of their lives, that's, perfectly acceptable option to me. One of the reasons why I think that we need to have people more involved, victims more involved in sentencing, is because we're just not punishing these predators enough to keep them from abusing and to keep them from re-abusing. And the goal here is simply to protect children and to make our society safer. Do you have cases that you know of off the top of your head where a pedophile was just given probation? There is about 20 in the news on any given day. And I can't produce names directly off the top of my head, but there have been several. There was one recently where a, a grandfather was given four months of probation in home. Um, there have, there's, there's so many stories like this out there. They're, they're countless across our country okay. and it is it, it it's easy to research and find them it, it's that's it's exactly shameful. what I, that, it's that's shameful. exactly what i'm going to do i'm going to research it i did not know i have to be 100 percent honest with you i didn't know that it was possible for a pedophile to sexually assault a child and just get probation i i did not know that that was a real thing. And if that is a real thing, once I do the research about it and, you know, call the, whatever the uh, city was, call their courthouse and talk to the people that I know I'd have to speak to and find out, see about finding out. Cause you know, most cases are public record. Um, well, maybe not these because they're children. So the records might be sealed, but there, even still, if, if it's something that's talked about on the news, I'm sure I can get whatever information I, I would need to. Because it sounds like if what you're saying is true, and more often than not, in the United States of America, a sexual predator does not do any jail time, they just get probation, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's a problem, and I'm sure you're going to find a bunch of things to be really disappointed in. Wow. We have, in our country, we have one of the best criminal justice systems uh, that the planet has ever seen. It's not perfect, but it certainly has plenty of room for improvement. I, yes, I'm sure a yeah. lot of people there's, will there's, definitely, there's a lot of definitely agree with that. There's a lot of problems across the board for, you know, the, how the laws aren't applied evenly to 
every citizen when it should be. You know, justice is supposed to be blind. It's supposed to be equal, but it it certainly seems to be um, motivated through money, motivated through power, motivated through color. It is inappropriate. It is shameful. And we have to find a way to fix it. And we have to find a way to fix it sooner rather than later, because it just keeps getting worse every day. Do you think pedophilia, and I'll end our conversation with this question, Sharman. Um, do you think pedophilia is the biggest problem we have in this country? Do you think pedophilia is the most important thing? Like, do you think pedophilia is something that we need to get this stopped right now? Everything else can just wait. We need to get this stopped right now. Is that your feeling about pedophilia? I think that pedophilia is the issue that brings together three quarters of the voting population and opens the door for us to find common ground on something that we agree in, agree on. And it, it opens the door for us to come together and resolve all of the other issues that plague us. We do I think pedophilia is the number one problem in our planet? No, absolutely not. But I think it's the one thing that unites most people that we agree that this is wrong and it has to stop. And it is the one thing that most people can agree on. Now, I had never lived in a, in a, in a place until I moved to Ohio where I even met somebody who would defend a pedophile. Ohio was the first chance I even met somebody who would defend pedophilia. So those people are out there. They are amongst us. They are hiding. They are driving our school buses. They are our friends. They, they focus themselves in a way so that they can gain your trust and get close to your children. And we have to, it is. It is the. I think it's the one issue that brings us together, and it it eliminates the things that divide us: our socioeconomic, the race, the religion, all the things that are used to divide us, and so that we can be conquered. I think ending pedophilia is the one thing that brings us together. I think most people agree that this has to be stopped. And I think if we can just come together and agree on one thing, we'll start to realize we have a lot more in common with each other than we than we think we do now. And it, it gives us an opportunity to start a healthy conversation with people who who need to hear it and it needs to be addressed. Do you think that because, so, so I shouldn't even say do you. This is my thought pattern on what you just said. Um, you're right. I do believe that um, the subject of pedophilia would bring um, uh, arguing sides together to say, yes, we think that's bad. Yes, we think that's bad. However, the argument is going to be picked back up because this side is going to think this is what we need to do to end it. This side is going to think this is what we need to do to end it. Then that's when the disagreement is going to start again. And, well, you're not listening to me. Well, you're not listening to me. And then both sides are going to walk away 
from the table again. So as much as I, I hate saying this, I don't really think in our society, in our world, in our existence today, it doesn't really matter what we agree on as far as what's good and what's bad. What our disconnects continue being is we want to go about fixing the problem is either our way or the highway. So we can agree until the end of time. We can absolutely agree until the end of time. You know what? I really can't stand you, but we both agree pedophilia is wrong, but I cannot have a conversation with you because you're not going to listen to me. You're going to try and tell me, well, I'm me, so I know how to do this. I've got this experience. I've got this. I've got that. So you need to listen to me. So I really don't think, and I hate saying this to you, but I really don't think that it really matters anymore if it's a topic that we agree on. I think the argument is going to be brought back up because both sides are going to have different ways to fix the problem. That's what I've seen. And I still think that somebody has to try to find a way to bring us together rather than keep us apart. And that's what I'm trying to do. You know, at the, at the end of the day, there's always going to be something for us to argue about. There's always going to be something for us to disagree about. And I think that we have to find common ground everywhere we can. And I, I, I think that when we, we become so cynical that we stop trying it, that's where we're that's why we're in so much trouble now is because so many people have gotten to the point where they're so locked into their beliefs that they're not willing to have a conversation with somebody else we we've been taught for years you know to avoid politics and to avoid religion rather than having a conversation with people and learning why people feel a certain way and and, and I feel like it, as long as we continue to think we can't find common ground, we won't try to find common ground. And so for me, this is about trying to get people to come together and to find common ground on something that I, most of us can agree on. Are, are, are some people always going to argue? Absolutely. You can't stop some people from arguing. That's just the way they are. Do we have to give them um, free space to take, avail to take advantage uh, um, of everything that divides us? No, we don't. You know, they, there's always going to be people who want to argue, but we have to find a way to celebrate the people who want us to stop arguing and start working together. I thank you very much for that, uh, Charmin. I thank you for your time being here today. Uh, we did go 17, about 18 minutes over. Um, where can... Um, the, the website that you have up, what is that? And if you actually send me that link, I'll make sure it gets put up um, on my show page. But this is the time in the show where the closing of the show where I ask my guests to leave my listeners with a closing comment and where they can find you and what's coming up in the near future for you. Oh, so... <clears throat> My website is charminsmith.com. My name is Charmin, just like the toilet paper, only with an S. I am smarter, stronger, I smell better than the TP, and I will clean up DC. Um, I think that 
you, we all have an opportunity to come together on issues that are dividing us. I think we have the opportunity to heal ourselves as a nation. Um, I can be found through Facebook and through Twitter. Um, I'm going to be having more interviews coming forward. I, I don't have any specific dates right now that I can give you at this moment. I do apologize for that, but you will be able to find me through um, charminsmith.com. Again, S-H-A-R-M-I-N. And uh, just thank you very much for your time today. Absolutely. And um, we will absolutely, we'll, uh, I will get your your website information and um, you know, I'm going to put your bio and your pictures and all of that up um, as well. So people will be able, my listeners will be able to go to your site and, you know, if they, if they see something that they like, I know that they will absolutely donate to your cause. So thank you once again for being here. Um, thank you all for being here with me this week. I hope you all have a great week. I hope you all are here to join me next week. Um, I don't have my schedule for next week yet. I don't know if it'll be a live show. If it will be a live show, then I guarantee it'll be a good show. For now, I say thank you very kindly for listening. You all, again, have a great week. We are out. Are you inspired? Can I inspire you more? Come join me every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. on Station 2 here at BBS Radio. Let's get inspired together. Come join me. You'll be glad you did.